So yeah, I am in Louisville, Kentucky right now, and I brought a microphone, and I brought a cable to connect the microphone to my computer, but I did not bring the right cable. So you are listening to me with all the glory that is the MacBook Air built-in microphones. I'll keep this super short because we actually have a really good high-quality interview with our guest today, Brandon Fury from the Miami Blazers, talking all about team building, creating, and finding ways to maximize the utility of a brand new group of men and women to make the best possible team. My name is Rob Kelly. This is Criterium Nation, a show about life lived one corner at a time. We're a proud part of the Wide Angle Podium network of shows, wideanglepodium.com, your source for the full bevy of shows that we have all about bike racing from cyclocross to mountain bike to fun, humor, whatever the Slow Ride podcast is, to gravel racing with the Grodio or electronic racing with Nowhere Fast. Wideanglepodium.com, go there, please support this content creator-owned effort. We are now in our second week of using our new sponsor called Dara Labs and their product, the full regimen. And I got to tell you, my skin is looking way better than it was just this time two weeks ago. The blotchiness and the red spots that were around the nose, like that spot right underneath your sunglasses, that is very much smoother now. It's going away. The nice grease spot that would typically be where the helmet is that's also going away just the fact of having a regimen where i'm washing my face regularly with high quality material and great products is making a huge difference and then on top of that using the moisturizer and the icon their eye cream along with the rejuvenating night serum has just had fundamentally good improvements and results for me. So I'm excited to see where week two to three takes me because it just keeps getting better. So go to calderalabs.com, check out what they have to offer. When you find what you're looking for, use our promo code CRITERIUMNATION, all one word, for 20% off. That's calderalabs.com, CRITERIUMNATION, 20% off everything. So here we go. Maybe a new record and how short of a monologue I've ever put together, but I want you to get to the highest quality recording that we've got with Brandon Fury from Miami Blazers. Joining us all the way from the wonderful state of Tennessee, Brandon Fury can no longer say that you are on Project Echelon because now you are on a brand new team. What team are you on this year for 2023? I'm racing with the Miami Blazers. So flashy, new kit, beautiful new Canyon bike, custom paint job, all of it. Are you having fun? Yes, I I have to say I I do miss the the guys on Project Echelon, but man, has it been a blast to start the season um, getting to race in the Dominican Republic and just really get to know a lot of the guys I've never raced with before. Uh, we've, we're all from pretty much different teams. A couple of the guys are from the same teams last year, but getting together has just been a fun experience. I did get a chance to see one of your brand new canyons a few days ago because Spencer Movenzade was in one of my, was in a race with me. And afterwards we, we kind of 
tore it apart a little bit and was looking at all of those fun details in that custom paint job. You know, have you torn apart that bike to look at all the numbers and Miami-based references in the bike? I, I think it it might not be every day I get on the bike, but it's at least every other time I get on the bike, like I'm checking out the different angles, how the sun's hitting it, how the sun is changing the Canyon logo and the colors and just everything about it. It's amazing. And they did an amazing job designing it. And I cannot tell you like new little, little things I'm finding out about the bike and just how beautiful it is. So like, one of the things on there is the population of, of Miami, 400,000 and change. Uh, the elevation of Miami is also on there, although I didn't see what the number was. But I got to imagine the elevation of Miami is zero, but maybe not. I don't <laughs> it, know. It, it's a tad higher than that, but it, it is very close to zero. <laughs> I feel like that's a California thing. Like you always see that on road signs when you head west of some certain point in the United States, like it's population and elevation. Whereas here in D.C., it's like, you know, population 700,000. What's the elevation? I don't know. Five, you know, <laughs> who cares? Yeah. But in Denver, every person in Denver can say 5,300 and whatever feet. Like they know it by heart. It's just one of those things. I think probably here I could tell you more what the uh, percentage of humidity is more than I could tell you what the elevation is. But, you know, that's just the way it goes. I do have one gripe, though, about the Miami Blazers bike. Yes. And it's only because any fan of Pitbull will recognize this mistake. What's the area code that's listed on the Miami Blazers Canyon bike for Miami? So this is, this is a topic for <laughs> multiple discussions, whether you're, you're from Miami or you're not from Miami. Um, obviously there's different area codes. We, we chose the one that area code that, that we like that was very popular, but a lot of Miami people wouldn't say that is the true area code. So uh, there's there's a lot of lot to say about that. Yeah. So it, you and I are men of Chicago. What's the area code for Chicago? What is the traditional Chicago area code? Seven zero eight. Holy cow! Three one two. Come on. It's 312. 708 is the South Side. <laughs> I know. It's the South Suburbs. I just said that because I'm from the South Suburbs. But yes, you got the 312. Um, especially you got a great brewery right there. 312. Yes. So Goose Island, uh, the last stage of the Intelligentsia Cup, the Goose Island Brewery Tour. 312 is one of their trademark beers. But like with Miami and for all of us who love Pitbull, Mr. Worldwide himself, you know he's from the 305. That's Miami. Miami is 305. And now I get it. There was discussion. There was debate. I love this about teams, that teams can come up with different answers. But I'm glad that the team had that conversation and that this was the choice that you guys made. Now, Pitbull may disagree, but he doesn't have to be the most famous thing out of Miami, does he? I, I don't think I've ever heard of Pitbull. Is he a figure skater? Yes, yes. He, he oh, okay. skates right alongside uh, uh, Lysacek. Oh, okay. Perfect. <laughs> yep. Perfect. Who happens to have gone to my grade school? Just, you know, Evan Lysacek from Naperville, but whatever. That's trivia 101 for today. We 
we agreed, you know, before we got on the show, we were going to talk about one thing. We we're, you know, this, this episode's about team building and it's about how a group of men and or women will come together over the course of a, of a year or a month or whatever the period of time is to become a unit. And it's absolutely essential in criterium racing and in road racing to be a unit because it's a team sport. But, you know, when you are brand new to a team, there is no unit. It's just good hope and wishes. So that's going to be the ultimate topic. Now, I know, Brandon, you wanted to talk about manicures and pedicures. I'm down for that conversation later point in time. All right. Deal. I want to talk first and foremost with the with a harder question than how do you build a team which is it's a man it's an amanda nauman question so i'm giving her credit to it but she always asks it at the end of the show i want to ask it at the beginning of the show to set the tone when it comes to winning does it matter how you win as much as whether you do it so is it okay to win at all costs or does the way that you do it matter more. For me, I feel like it's the way you do it. Um, everyone has their their opportunity or chance to win, but it's the way how, how you do it, how you, I, th- I think it's how you act while doing it as well. Um, it's anything from how you go into a race to how you act during the race, how professional you are, in the race, if you make a stupid move and cause a huge crash um, that was preventable, preventable, and you 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 win that way, or it's you you have a um, a full full team around you and you use your whole team to to develop a win. Uh, there's a lot that goes into winning, but I, I feel like that. It's a big, big thing to just have. Well, let me let me jump. Let me jump in here and go back into your answer. You acknowledge that if it matters how you win. That there are some plays that are out of bounds. That other people may not have that same belief and they are willing to go out of bounds in order to win. How do you, as an athlete, justify a second or third or a fourth place result against somebody who won at all costs? You know, sometimes the winner gets benefits that the second, third, and fourth place person doesn't get. And so that person gets a benefit that you don't get but they played by a different set of rules than you. How do you square that? I think that a lot of people see what what goes on, whether it's live stream, word of mouth, um, and actually see how that person wins. Um, and with that, like if you see it was a dirty move, then you might not really give them the full credit of the win. Yes, they won the race. Yes, uh, they finished first ahead of other people but with with that they also kind of look at second and third like maybe without that dirty move these guys could have could have won the race and they they uh, rode a clean hard race 
And I'm going to give them a little more credit than the person who actually won. I'm wondering how long the memory of history is. Because history has forgotten more than we will ever know about details. For example, you know, you're a South Sider, I'm a North Sider, I'm a Cubs fan, you're a Sox fan. Everybody knows about the Black Sox, the famous White Sox team from the teens that won the World Series but cheated to do so. I mean, Shoeless Joe Jackson, Field of Dreams, they made a whole movie about him and, you know, discussing that issue. We still remember that. Do we remember other details like, you know, how many pitchers cheated but still had great results and records? Like, how long is the memory of history for the bad move in a sprint where you box somebody out, but you do it in a way that is unprofessional? Like, absent the GoPros and the live streams, you know, do you think we have that memory? Uh, I think that memory is will last with people who were in the race who were actually affected by it. Maybe not the audience or anything like that. So, yeah, I, I guess there's there's some people that that memory will last forever and then um, some people that it will last a day and then they'll just see who, who won the race. Yeah, I, I have so many feelings and thoughts about this in, in my own personal, like it, it goes across the across the spectrum. Because it's not just bike racing, it's not just sport, it's life in general. You know, the question is universal as far as how you do or accomplish the goal that you set to do doesn't matter as much as getting the goal accomplished. Because, you know, like in business, you'll, you'll always hear about that guy who he can get the job done. Don't ask him how he did it, but he'll get the job done. And, and I think, you know, to a certain extent, we value that. But then again, we also value companies and corporations and organizations which do things the right way. I mean, there's an entire subset of industry that's all about determining how good people are ethically, socially responsible. This is where we turn it to the Miami Blazers. Do you think the guys on Miami Blazers have the same belief as you do that how you win matters more than just winning? I can say yes. Um, I believe that we we got together this year early in the season and really talked about our goals and how we want to achieve those goals. And we we all came into that with it's kind of we have to win. We have to do whatever we can to win. And out of that, it came. All right. How are we actually going to do that? We're not going to ride dirty. We've, we've learned from my mistakes, from other mistakes in the past. Um, I think we've all made mistakes in racing outside of racing. So I think just learning from those experiences in the past have really kind of used use that to uh, maybe make an extra effort to try even harder this year to make sure we're not going back to those mistakes and learning from them and, and even growing. When you come together with a group of men like you have with the Miami Blazers, none of you are from the same place. You know, like, it's not like you're forced together for a team, you know, spring training where all the guys are living in the same, you know, house for a month or two. You know, you guys are coming in from 
you know, Maryland and Georgia and Tennessee and Boston and like you're all being brought together. How do you create a sort of organic, you know, partnership relationship with people who may have been your rival last year? That has been a little bit of a, a, a hurdle to jump over just because like without that face to face um, actually interaction, um, you can have interactions with people on the phone uh, via Skype. But if you're not actually with those people, you can't get those true emotions. And I think we've kind of, I wouldn't say start off the season slow from it, but you definitely learn that you need those those opportunities to build as a team um, getting together. And without that, like you, you see teams all the time that um, are getting together that gel well off the bike. Normally, if they're gelling well off the bike, they're going to do a lot better on the bike, sacrificing themselves for each other. Um, a great thing like that I, I, I've seen all the time is – Teams that that do extracurricular activities together are going to just excel even more in the races and outside the races, whether it's a a work work lifestyle or um, it's actually racing and um, exceeding those goals. But yeah, I think like with anything, you have to develop that relationship with a person face-to-face um, doing activities to to really grow. Because last year, you and I were in Winston-Salem together with the Project Echelon guys uh, for their team camp back when you were on their team. And you could tell that you, John Heinlein, Peter Olenicek, Matt Zimmer, the guys who had been a part of that team for several years had gelled. It didn't take us drinking Miller Lite or Bud Light and playing cards to realize that you guys all genuinely cared about yourself. That helped because it sure as heck cut through any sort of ice that might have existed with some random dude being there, you know, asking you questions. How have you done it this year with Danny Estevez and, you know, Spencer Movenzada and how in Dante Young, for example, how have you guys started to build? What are the activities that you have been doing together? Yeah, so we we try to do um, starting off. We've had a group chat. We've all been very active on that group chat from day one, from when they kind of announced all the riders and put us all together. And so we've been very active on that, just throwing funny memes out there. Um, just, just saying how, how's training going, blah, blah, blah. Um, we also do some video calls, um, every, every week or every other week just to get that face to face interaction. And, um, so our Miami camp was not necessarily the typical team camp that you would go to. It wasn't about training. It wasn't about who has the best fitness, who can run each other into the ground. It was really a get to know each other camp, just making sure we mesh well and can start off the season with a good foundation. Um, I think that was one of the best camps that I've been to just because it was more of make sure you're fit before you come to camp, but at camp, we're going to really 
bring the team together and make sure they mesh well so we can focus on the the training and the racing and the tactics and everything after the fact like for a, a perfect team to to succeed they have to mesh well who's in charge and how do you know that that person is in charge for Miami Blazers yeah so um, we ha- we have two people who are kind of in charge um, Kit and Dennis Ramirez. I'd say our go-to is Dennis Ramirez. He's been a phenomenal athlete throughout the the years. Um, he's he's had multiple multiple wins. Um, he's he's just a good, strong athlete that um, I've I've got along with over the years. And just having him as our director this year, he really knows how to kind of put whether it's the lifestyle or how you act and try to try to make sure that we're all getting together beforehand after after the races uh, making sure everything's all dialed just so we can can perform at the races but uh, without Dennis I don't think our our team cohesion would be there aside from Dennis uh, you know when it comes down to the men who are a part of the team who are doing the racing has there been a individual who stepped up either by force or by design or by action to be the teams on the bike leaders yeah i i think it could i could almost throw it to every every rider on the team um the the one that really comes to mind is dante young um, he's been on the team since day one. He's helped develop this team, but um, I think it comes to every rider. Like we, we bring our own kind of whether it's quirkiness or our own energy to the team. And one day it could be Spencer. One day it could be me. Um, one one day it could be Danny or Ruben. Whoever it is, it could be Antonietta. Like. They, they all, we all bring something different to the table. That's why I think I cannot say there's one exact person that, that maybe brings us all together. I think it's just a day to day thing. Is that a good way to do it? To have a diffuse leadership on the bike? You know, because we've seen in the past that it, it, you can have, you, there's no right way to do it. There are better ways, clearly, to do it than others. I'm wondering if the way that you guys have chosen, where it's diffuse and that, you know, it's it's very much situation dependent, is is the best way, as opposed to having something that's like, no, Monk is the leader when it comes down to what's going to happen on the bike, how the job gets done. He's the leader. We follow him, and it's not to practice democracy; it's to preserve. Yeah, I think that like that's why we're lucky to have Dennis Ramirez to keep us all in line and making sure our jobs are getting done. But we have to be honest to ourselves as well. Say I'm the leader for the race. I'm, I'm the sprinter and no matter what, the team has to get me to the line. I have to be honest to the team if I'm not feeling well or if I'm cramping up. I can't just be like, nope, the team goal is for me to win and 
I'm not feeling well, so I'm just going to fake it and try to get there. Um, I think we all have to be honest to each other and make sure that if I'm not feeling well or if I think Danny has a better opportunity in the sprint or Dante has a better opportunity in the sprint or if it's Johnny Brown who has a better opportunity to try to go for the breakaway, I think we all have to be honest to ourselves and almost sacrifice that team goal that maybe we created beforehand and to make sure we we win, we win the race or we're on the podium and doing what we need to be doing to making sure we're, we're going to get the best place that we can. So strategy and tactics obviously are, are super critical, but those are game time decisions. You know, like you go to a specific race, your strategy is X. You go to the next race, the next day, your strategy could be Y just because different horses for different courses. When it comes down to getting the team on the same page, do you agree that having similar fundamental beliefs and goals are critical? Yeah, um, I think making sure that everyone believes in that one mission, um, it could be winning the race or it could be um, just doing as well as you can. But I, I believe there is one mission to try to achieve and then out of that one mission, there's thousands of branches uh, that are going to try to get you to that one mission. Um, it could be from a breakaway. It could be from a sprint. But there's there's multiple ways that are going to get you to that one ultimate mission. So I'm going to ask you what Miami Blazers' ultimate mission is, what the goal of the organization is, and kind of we'll go down that path. But this is a question that doesn't fit within this next question is not a question that fits within the kind of the outline that I had prepared because it's one thing that I keep wanting to ask you, but I keep forgetting. Pedaling for Alzheimer's. This is something, this is a mission and a goal for you, an organization that you are a part of. What the heck is it? Because I know you're wearing the hat right now and it keeps, I, I should have asked this question a long time ago. Yeah, so um, Pedal for Alzheimer's. It's a nonprofit organization that I've been involved with since day one. So Josh Crisp is the founder of Pedal for Alzheimer's. So seven years ago, back in 2016, um, Pat Summit passed away from Alzheimer's. And Josh Crisp was sitting on his porch and drinking a beer, just, just thinking about life and thinking about Pat Summit. And he decided this crazy idea. He's never touched a bike before, never done anything um, with the bike. And he's like, you know what? I want to create a fun ride that I can ride 1,098 miles in honor of all Pat Summit's career um, NCAA, NCAA um, national wins. And so he, he decided, I'm going to pick up a bike and whoever wants to join me and raise money for Alzheimer's and the Pat Summit Foundation. So he, he, he had about four or five months to train, and he contacted me through a doctor, Dr. Kevin Sprouse, that is EF Education's doctor, and he lives in Knoxville. And after hearing this crazy mission and his passion for Pat Summit and Alzheimer's and Alzheimer's, 
just the the passion that he had about doing this crazy ride and crazy idea. I was like, I need to get involved. So year one, I, I tried to raise as much money as I could for the Alzheimer's, um, the Pat Summit Foundation and do do the ride with him. We rode 1,098 miles. I believe we had 11 cyclists total that did the whole, full trip with us. And it was just an amazing experience. And after that, just seeing the passion of all the riders and all the people involved really wanted me to use what I love, the bike, to help out. Uh, my grandma passed away from Parkinson's and dementia, so um, it's another brain kind of disease. So I was like, how can I help even further? Um, the organization needed an event manager. So I was like, I want to be the event manager and help, help, help the, the pedal for Alzheimer's organization grow. And then also, um, just do what I love in helping, helping others, um, and Alzheimer's learning about it just made me really want to help out. And, okay. So that, that will half time to, you know, Look at, uh, you know, Pat Summit, obviously the legendary coach of the Lady Vols basketball team. You know, there's a reason why the crit course in Knoxville goes around the Hall of Fame. You know, it's Pat. She's really, you know, a driving force in that city and how it's evolved. Um, so that halftime aside, let's get back to Miami Blazers and talk specifically about the team's goal. What is the team's mission? And when I ask that, I'm not asking about the obvious easy answer, which is to win the race. You know, what is this team about? Yes. Yeah, so the Miami Blazers team is about building community. Um, we know cycling has been stuck in its ways and almost hurting itself. Um, we've lost a ton of races. We've lost a ton of riders drive for the sport. Um, I believe the the main mission for the Miami Blazers is inclusion and trying to redevelop and regrow the sport. Whether you're a professional cyclist or you're a mountain biker, you you've never touched a bike. Our our goal is to try to reach out to you and be our normal self while you're your normal self, and just use the bike as a way to interact with each other and help grow the community. So do you guys all, and by guys, I'm trying to be gender neutral because I realize that their Antoinetta is on the team and she's very much a sheep. So uh, do you all buy into this? Is this something that is kind of a prerequisite to being on this team is to buy into this basic mission? Yeah, um, w while we were going through I want to. I don't want to say it's an interview process, but it was kind of like an interview process. Uh, we went over what the team's goals were, the team mission, um, what they really wanted to develop in cycling, and I think during that it was kind of an opportunity for the organization and the rider to say, maybe this isn't a good fit, or uh, maybe they're they're their kind of mindset doesn't in line with ours. 
and maybe it wouldn't be a good fit. So I think all, all riders went through that and really developed the team around that. So what have you guys done so far as a unit in 2023 to to push that goal? Yeah, so um, just just getting out uh, in during our team camp, we had a lot of team rides or community rides. It wasn't just about us riding together. It was us riding with the community in Miami. Um, we had a couple rides where we had anywhere from 30 to 60 riders that came out and got to meet us, got to ride with us. We had anything from, there was a, a guy on a mountain bike to um, $10,000 road bikes to cross bikes that came out and rode with us. So just, just including anyone who wants to ride, who wants to get out on a bike and engaging with them. Talk about the racing aspect of it, you know, because you've got this mission about inclusion, broadening the scope of the sport. How is the racing going to lead to that goal? I think just showing maybe our dedication to the sport and using the racing as another avenue to get involved with the sport. And you might have a little kid on the side of the road. If we're lucky enough to hand them a bottle and they're like, I never thought cycling would be cool. And I just got a bottle from this pro rider. And now I want to be just like them. And I want to race. I want to ride. It could be anything from that to just um, some someone looking up to you and they're already in the sport and seeing you win a race or seeing you um, destroy yourself to help a teammate win is just going to open some eyes for some new some new people to get in, involved. Do you think the average fan understands that? Do you think the average fan is just like, oh, I can see Brandon's passion towards his teammate, you know, or do you think that that's something that we we hope that people can see? I think it's a little bit of both. Um, during the race, it's more of we hope people can see. But if our goal is to try to get to races early and try to stay late, um, our goal is to hopefully have people see us interact with each other. We, we, we want them to come interact with us. So um, us getting to races early, us kind of engaging with the community, going to a coffee shop, maybe not, maybe staying off our phone a little bit and talking to the barista and telling them where we're from and what we do and or talking to the little kid at the coffee shop who's there with their parents and just giving them a high five. And hopefully that that kind of engagement will will grow the community. So how do you hold each other accountable to that mission? You know, if there's six of you at a race and five of you are doing the right thing, but then there's the one guy who is on his phone way too much, not engaging. Or if somebody's behavior is not consistent with what could be the best practice, how do you hold somebody accountable to make sure that they are living up to what's happening? And I'm not suggesting that this is a specific thing to Miami Blazers as opposed to any other team that you've ever been upon, you know, but I know that you've had experience being the leader and experience in running smooth organizations. So I'm hoping that you might have some insight for folks who might be dealing with a problem like that. 
I I think it's just being confident enough in yourself and in the whether it's the organization or something that you put together, being fully confident about why you're doing it. If you're doing it, you would hope someone else is doing it for the same reason. So you can talk to them, whether it's, all right, um, we're not going to be on our phones because we need to be engaging with our fans, our community, our, our young ones. Um, just, just being open and honest to them. Be like, hey, like, do you really align with this mission? Are you here just for a nice bike or a discount in clothing? Um, or are you really here to grow the mission? I think I'm starting to really learn that a lot of bit or a lot with um, pedal for Alzheimer's and also growing in the sport of cycling. Um, there, there's people that do it for maybe themselves and not the bigger picture. So it's it could be like yes, like you've helped us out, but unfortunately you're a bad apple and you don't align with our mission and we can't we can't work together anymore it's sometimes you have to let people go you have to um there's there's a bigger picture out there that maybe that those couple dollars that they brought in are not gonna really help anything that's just gonna make things worse so you're better off trying to align with people that have the same goals and values as you how do you in not necessarily ensure because you know, people deviate throughout the course of an hour long conversation, much less an entire season. And you don't necessarily want to throw the baby out with the bathwater anytime that, you know, somebody doesn't live up because we have bad days. You know, you could go to a race and perform very poorly and it could be all your fault and you could walk away from it with the most happy, cheery attitude impossible and be super engaging with fans or you could be just like i don't want to deal with anybody and i want to get the heck out of here and that doesn't align with the team's mission i'm wondering you know the more minor efforts of accountability the the pulling somebody aside the 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 conversations the not even cajoling but just like the the guidance that somebody of your age and maturity could give to somebody who's younger. I mean, Spencer Movenzada's 10 years younger than you. You know, if he stepped out of line, which God, that would be the weirdest, most uncharacteristic thing for that young man. But, you know, like say that he does, you know, what are you and the other guys and women on the team, how do you make sure everybody stays in line? Obviously nothing's ever gonna be perfect. We all want this world to be perfect and it's not going to be a perfect place, but it's just maybe telling a quick story before that even gets to that opportunity for someone to mess up. It could be like, this is what I did when I was 21. I was young, naive. I wasn't thinking of the big picture and I took my frustration out on a fan or another rider or it's maybe showing them like how you've learned throughout the years. And it could be someone who's already has maybe a good head on their shoulders when, and they, they just are doing the right thing all the time. And you could be like, well, if you look at this person and how he's grown and how he's, um, 
always been doing the right thing and get, it gets them into the right places. So we can kind of see both a growing or just a learning of different different things that, that you've done in your past. But it could, and it could be just sitting down beforehand before it even happens and just making sure like we're all always thinking about our mission and our goal. Let's shift our focus here away from kind of these broader topics and dial in and Let's talk about the nitty gritty of team concept and how the team functions down to how are we deciding who's going to be at what race? You know, for the ACC races, there are the American Crit Cup races. There's a limit of riders to six riders per team. If you've got seven, eight, nine, ten, those guys aren't making the trip. You know, how who's making the decision about who's going to be at? Tulsa, who's going to be at Lake Bluff, who's going to be at Grafton? Like, how are those specific decisions made? Yeah, so it, it depends on your team and how many riders you have and whatnot. But uh, for any specific team, it comes down to there's there's thousands of things that it comes down to. One, I think the first thing is you need to look at the course, how the course is going to race. Um, whether you think it's going to be a breakaway course or a sprint course. And if say it's going to be, you think it's going to come down to a sprint, you want to bring your best sprint team. Obviously you want to bring maybe a, a couple riders that could go into the breakaway and maybe win out of a breakaway, but you're going to go into it be like, I want to build the best team for that course. So if it's a, a sprint course, you want to make sure you have two sprinters and then four workhorses. So in case one of the sprinters get hurt, uh, not feeling well, or you have two sprinters at the end. And then you also have four guys that can make sure the sprinters are staying safe using the least amount of energy as possible. Um, also following moves and making sure the team's represented in a major move that could go to the line. Um, there's a lot of things that go into like the pre-race planning. And then it also comes down to like your training. If you have a rider who hasn't been training and you're trying to develop a roster, I don't think that the team would put that, that rider on the roster. And then it also falls back on the rider. Um, the team doesn't always see who's training, how well they're training. So it's always comes back on the rider. If, they have to be honest to the team, be like, hey, I'm not fit enough to go to this race. I shouldn't be on the roster. We need to put someone else in my place. So there's a lot of things that go into picking the right team to go to a race. Obviously, nothing is always going to be perfect. You have people who get sick last minute and have to throw in a different rider that maybe um, is not suited for the course, but could possibly help out. But um, ultimately, it's trying to develop the, the best team um, to go into that race to have your, your best team goal. Build me two teams, okay? I'll give you two events. Build me two teams and assume that all the riders are available, like there's no personal crisis issues, everybody can get there from work, everybody's healthy, everybody's fit, as fit as they should be for being a you know, a professional criterium racer in the United States. 
So one is for Lake Bluff, and two is for Boise. So obviously, Boise, four-corner, flat crit, super speed fest. Lake Bluff, very challenging, technical, you know, lots of attrition sort of race. So start with Boise because it comes first in the calendar. So am I developing my team or just um, the type of riders that I want? Let's use your example from the guys who are on Miami Blazers right now. Okay. All right. So let's start with Lake Bluff. No, no, we're and, starting with Boise because oh, it comes first. Sorry, sorry, the Boise. Yeah, you got it. You got yeah, first on the, the calendar. <laughs> um, it's tough uh, because I I would have to start start with all right. How are are these riders riding? Um, how have they been training? It's been we've only really had one team race, so we can't really go off of how they raced in that one race. Um, then I would go into, all right, where, what are my team goals? So I think for that race, it's going to be, realistically, it's going to come down to a sprint. So I want at least two sprinters there. I would probably take Danny Estevez and even throw in Dante Young and those two be our, our main sprinters. Then from there, I'm going to bring Ruben Campagnoni. Have, he has a huge engine. Tanner Ward, who has a huge engine. And um, let's, let's say um, Johnny Brown, who also has a huge engine and can sit on the front all day and has, knows race tactics very well, how to make a game-time decision. And then for, for that, that last rider, um, that, that is kind of open up, open in the air, um, whether you want to add in another sprinter, if I can be, um, any help to the sprinters, or I can be one of those guys who is going to try to sniff out a breakaway and try to win from a breakaway. So, um, yeah, I'd, I'd say that's kind of the team I would develop for that. What about for Lake Bluff? Yeah, Lake Bluff. Um, I would take a little more punchy type sprinter type rider, um, whether it's myself or Danny Estevez. And then from there, I would develop the team around a possible breakaway. So I would add in Johnny Brown, Ruben Campagnoni, um, Spencer. And then also I would probably add Josh into that mix. So um, I think that that team overall is going to cover every race situation scenario um, to try to get the win for the race. Let's say what you guys throw out there when you when you do get to these races, because it'll be interesting to see how people have developed over the year and, you know, who's who and what's what at the time. I think that's the hardest question I've ever been asked. <laughs> <laughs> throwing me on the spot there. I'm glad that I got you. This shows that our relationship has been evolving since last year. Now I can't ask you simple questions anymore. I've got to come up with some, I got to raise my game. So let's get to the race itself. Um, what's the next team race? Yeah. So the next team race is going to be Tulsa tough. We, we have some riders that are going to air force um, we are going to use Air Force as a really kind of 
dial in your skills, dial in your training, get that high intensity, hard, hot efforts in, and then go into Tulsa Tough full gas. So you're at Blue Dome and it's six guys who are there ready to go. How do you bring everybody together and focus them in on the next 90 minutes? You know, how do you get everybody to be a unit in that race as opposed to a unit, you know, on Skype or Zoom or whatever it happens to be or in a training ride? Like there's a difference between, you know, you are going into battle versus you are just being together. Yeah. Um, so that's something we've been really talking about the last couple of weeks. And we are going to Tulsa some of us are coming in on Monday. Most of the rest of the team is coming in on Tuesday. So we're going to be there all week and just using that time to really, really develop a cohesion unit. Um, we're we're going to do some things. We, we've even talked about, like we said early in the show, um, going for a mani petty and doing some paintball, doing some different activities where we can bond over different stuff besides the bike. So I think that's going to help us sacrifice for one another. If we can really build and grow that bond. Um, that's why we'll be going to the races early as well as doing some community engagements, but also, uh, really focus on bringing the team together. But you're at the race. It's an hour to race start. So you probably just got there. You're still in street clothes. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you're, you're not like me. I'm already warmed up and nervous, but you're at the race and you're having the team meeting. What are the, what are those discussions going to look like? Not necessarily you follow this, you do that, but like, how do those discussions bond the group right there in the hour before the race? Yeah. So for that, we're going to have a couple different scenarios, whether it's how, how the other teams have been racing, how we think it's going to play out. There's multiple situations where that race could, a big break could get off the road. It's probably never happened ever in that race, but we think this year is going to be a total different race than it has in the past. So um, we're going to go into it with a mindset of multiple different scenarios and using our skills. We have a, a wide range of skills and knowledge that is maybe some of the other teams don't have. I, I like, I think our, our team has a lot of knowledge of just racing in general that we can use at our advantage and help us come out on top in any situation. So I think using that in our team meeting to develop some race scenarios is going to help us get together. Is there tricks or games or mantras or some sort of way that you can unify a group of men right before the start? You know, a way to, to say, step back from the specific tactics, step back from the specific things that we're about to do. We are about to be a team. We are about to 
function as one? You know, is there a, a phraseology or a reminder that you would like to issue to these guys as you're getting ready? Yeah, I think it depends on the individual and the team. But say you all come up with the handshake or you get in a big huddle, you say a prayer, um, you you do a little chant. I think something like that, that's going to really get everyone pumped up. It could be like you all have or your team has a theme song and using that to just, all right, it's go time. We're ready to hit it. We got the theme song music going. We're all ready. We're dressed. Let's roll around, roll to the line together, and uh, we're going to work our asses off for each other. I'm wondering what the theme song would be for Miami Blazers. Like, I, I, I had all these, like, really good Taylor Swift ones going through my mind there for a second, but I feel like that's not cool enough. There's not enough millennial women on Miami Blazers. But then you'd be like... I don't think that they're going to go with 90s like alt rock or maybe like some old school Dre or Snoop. Like, where are we going with it? So, Monk, what would be the theme song for the Miami Blazers right now? Uh, Give me a second. All right. So I would have to say it's going to be Miami by Will Smith. The Welcome to Miami. Oh, my God. That's is there a battle between the Blazers and Miami Knights over the soul of Miami? I think, well, I don't think. Yes, there is. Okay. This is what the fans want to know. We're the original Miami Blazers. Just to say that. Um, it's it's going to be a battle for eternity. As, as long as these two teams are alive, I think it's always going to be a battle. Who is there first? Who is the best? Who, who really controls Miami? It's almost like a gang war. Um, I, I feel like it's more, I wouldn't say a gang war, but it's a friendly gang war. Um, it's a fun competition to just have a really strong team that you can fight against, but also be friends with after the races. So um, it's a good situation to have. You have two two really strong teams that represent the same, same thing, same represent Miami. So you have two teams that represent Miami and whether we use each other to grow or use each other to um, compete in races and push each other, I think it's it's good for the sport. It's good for us to have another, another team to compete against with the same Miami name. Um, I think it's just going to be a battle for eternity. Whose kit is better looking? Oh, Miami Blazers, 100%. And, and uh, we, we have some things in the works that will be coming out soon. So uh, stay tuned for a new kit reveal, some new uh, helmets, shoes. Yeah, it's going to be, we have some very, let's just say, pop. That's all I'm going to say. Pop. Yep. I'm wondering how much how much hot pink is involved in this because the the team photos from this year from you and all the other guys like they're 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 something special. Very much so. There there might be no pink, it might be all pink, you never know. So let's talk less about the team and more about you. 
and we'll do this as a kind of like our concluding topic. Um, last year, before Momentum Indie, I asked you the question, if you walk away from winning the American Criterium Cup, but you don't win one of the races, do you consider the year to be a success? Do you recall what your answer was? I think I said yes and no. Okay. Now, you didn't win Momentum Indy, and you did not win at the Hill. I know the Hill was a was a rough one for you. You were hurt. You were playing through the pain sort of thing. You know, do you walking away from 2022 as the ACC overall champion, but not having won one of the races, do you consider that year to have been a success? A hundred percent. Anytime you can come on top of anything, there's always going to be success in that. And I think last year, I I wasn't going into the races trying to be the um, top sprinter or winning the ACC overall. The team had other goals and I had other goals as well. Um, developing riders like Ethan Crane and Will Harden is really what I came into that season um, trying to do, using my skills and knowledge of racing for the past 21 odd years or so, um, trying to develop riders like those to succeed in the future. Unfortunately, with some injuries, um, the team went through some injuries, sicknesses, and everything that put me into that position to try to win some races, to try to win the ACC overall, the sprint competition. And it was just, I wouldn't say dumb luck, but unfortunately some other crashes, taking Alfredo out um, and everything. It was just, everything kind of came together, but it never really came together. Now for 2023, is the goal the same? Is the ACC still a target for you? Or do you have other ambitions in life? Yeah, so the the ACC was very a very small target on my list, on the team list. Um, it is more about trying to use everyone on the team and get everyone a win. Uh, my goal, I have some very big goals with pro nationals, um, some other big races that I really want to succeed in. And the team has some other aspirations and winning races and building a community around the team. Cause last year, obviously you're a Knoxville guy, uh, you know, pro crit nationals are in Knoxville yet again this year. Last year, you famously ended up in a bush in corner number one. It was nice and smooth. Not the way that you wanted the race to end, especially given kind of a really great position that you were in right then and there. But it is is winning, not just podiuming, but is winning nationals a target? Yeah, uh, winning nationals is the number one target on my list. That is my main focus goal for myself. Um, I have a lot of team goals. I have a lot of things I want to help develop for the team, develop for other riders. But my number one goal is to win crit nationals. Unfortunately, the last two years, um, I got involved in a crash coming up the, the final straightaway. Um, two years ago, I got involved in the first turn on the last lap. 
last year ending up in a bush, having a nice, nice soft landing. And that kind of made me even more hungry, hungrier for this year to achieve that goal. Beyond that, where do you want to see 2023 go for you? I want to see it as successful as it can for team goals. I want to see this team grow. It's only in its second season, really. Um, I want to see it develop and grow a huge community base around the team. Um, I would love to see new riders wearing a Miami Blazers kit, um, having a Miami Blazers water bottle, um, really kind of growing the sport from the bottom up. Okay. When am I racing you? When are we going to toe the line together? I think we said may, maybe not until Intelligentsia Cup. Okay. I'll have to get there for the Kermesse. That's my goal. I'll race the Kermesse with you because that's, that is, that's South Side of Chicago. We can, we can make it the, the, the battle for the soul of the city right there. I, I like that idea. Um, we, we might have a little battle internally. You, you might be missing a water bottle beforehand or even during the race or something. We'll, we'll have some fun during it, though, for sure. <laughs> Love it. Love it. Monk, thank you so much for being on the show again. I think one more time and you win free steak knives. <laughs> thank you so much. Like I, I'm so happy to be on the show. So happy to share my experiences and, and everything with you. Thank you for joining us on another episode of the show. We are a proud part of the Wide Angle Podium network of shows. Today's episode was written, produced, and edited by me, Rob Kelly, with special thanks to our good friend, Brandon Fury. We'll be off next week. Just too much bike racing, too much of everything happening in the personal world. But we will be keeping track of results for this holiday weekend. So follow along at Criterium Nation for all the results that we can possibly muster. Join us again here next time in two weeks for more stories from our Criterium Nation.